0: Listening to Grim, the Mature Audience History Podcast, Dark Histories, True Crime, Salacious Stories by historians for your R-rated educational intellect. This is Grim. Human experiments by the government of the United States on lepers. Orphans and in a mental institution on foreign soil saw doctors smearing gonorrhea pus in patients' eyes, vaginas, rectums, forcing them to drink ground-up STD cankers from glass beakers, had their genitals sliced and stabbed. Syphilis emulsions rubbed into their broken skin, injected into the back of their skulls, and into their spinal columns and forcibly restrained them when they tried to run away. Johns Hopkins University, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Johnson & Johnson, the Rockefeller Foundation, and the government of the United States now face billion-dollar lawsuits currently. Grimm investigates... Most of us, in a general way at least, are roughly familiar. When you say Tuskegee, three things usually come to mind, all African-American in nature. Airmen, university, and syphilis experiments. Researching that, Tuskegee syphilis experiments that went on for like 40 years, Susan Reversby, following the death of Assistant Surgeon General John Charles Cutler, found 22 of that motherfucker's Boxes At Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, and in her words was floored by what she found in these boxes that was very much large scale continuation of what went on in Tuskegee, coordinating fuck tons of research outside of the United States because that shit inside the United States would be, in their words, ethically impossible. Doing it outside the United States, not good, but kept covert, almost black ops secret, but not impossible.
1: Susan M. Reverby was, like you said, she's researched the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. She's also written two books on this subject. So it's one of the things that she has taught and devoted her life to studying. During this research on that, she was out in Pittsburgh here in Pennsylvania, and she uncovered these boxes that were labeled John Charles Cutler. And she recognized the name because Cutler was involved in the Tuskegee experiments. So she recognized the name from that. And when she opened them, she found these unpublished papers about a public health service study from 1946 to 1948 in Guatemala that involved infecting men and women in prison, army barracks, and a mental hospital with sexually transmitted diseases, such as syphilis, gonorrhea, things like that. So she uncovered these boxes for the first time in two thousand five is when she uncovered them. So of course she was shocked because it had never been published. So there was no awareness of it in like the public. So she uncovered it in two thousand five. She brought it to a former director of the centers of disease control. From there she brought it to everybody's attention that the United States had run this study in Guatemala in the late nineteen forties, early nineteen fifties, and that's when it started a whole chain of events in which there are these different studies by the US government. It ultimately ended up with the U.S. formally apologizing to Guatemala for this study. I mean, President Obama, along with Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, was formally apologizing to Guatemala. However, no compensation has been given to the families in Guatemala for these studies, despite that there were two lawsuits filed on behalf of the Guatemalan victims and their families <coughs> tried to sue the U.S. federal government and John Hopkins University, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and the Rockefeller foundation which were all involved in the funding of this study down in guatemala this happened the formal apology happened in 2010 on october 1st but it also kick-started a presidential study on the bioethics of this to make sure that there weren't other american experiments going on abroad
0: the fact-finding mission was the president of university of pennsylvania and the president of emory university with like a team of people They went down and what they discovered was that the Guatemalan government was completely on board. So there were really meticulous contracts signed. So these were actually began in Oslo in Norway, the syphilis experiments. They had a bunch of people in Norway prior to this. This is what the presidential report clashes out, that that was where it began. It began in Norway to follow around people with syphilis that were not then treated. And then Tuskegee was building upon that Norwegian study, and then the United States, the National, what was it, the National Health Service. Basically, Cutler was the one leading this, but I mean, the Surgeon General. Paran signed off on this, gave grants, but we brought it to Terre Haute Federal Prison in Indiana. Indiana. Thank you. That and was 1943. There, it was Sing Sing stuff. It was done in New York afterwards and Guatemala was the main brunt of lots of stuff. So, I mean, this was carried out in a lot of different places. And Brittany, you had a little bit on the rationale for it.
1: I mean, at least down in Guatemala, they said they were testing the effectiveness of penicillin. Would penicillin work? And so they went down there and they originally started with inmates in a prison using sex workers to try and infect them with syphilis and then they could study that but they weren't getting a large enough population which is when they started to deliberately infect these people who did not have syphilis before with they started injecting these people not always explaining that that's what they were doing and they moved to the (laughs) Guatemalan army barracks then they went to an asylum but they also at one point were working out of an orphanage and state-run schools with children who were were obviously little kids and there was no like parental or explanation with any of them. The report said that they didn't actually infect any of the children with an STD since they were studying both syphilis and gonorrhea. So there were a couple options here. But the report at least says that there was no evidence that they deliberately and knowingly in, yeah, they like seem, infected children with they, an STD. They but they were a... doing some pretty like lumbar procedures on them. So, I mean, still some pretty significant examinations, like they were taking their blood and then shipping it back up to the United States. They were still using the kids. Well, they, they had
0: not only just kids from the orphanage, too, but they had kids from outside the town as well. Like they had additional children. too. Yeah, it was an orphanage, state run
1: schools and actually like in these rural areas where And yeah, had, yeah. for
0: the American government, they really
2: sold it as kind of like a slam dunk because sex work was legal. It was a common practice to allow sex workers into prisons. On top of that, there was rampant poverty. Everyone wanted to we'll get some money out of this or we'll get attention or whatever it might be. And on top of that, the human rights laws were actually very lax at the time as well and they went, out. Oh, it's relatively close by. It's only in South America. And it's, it's, that was essentially their entire motivation. It was like, where can we get away with this the most? They but, had
0: these contracts signed with the ministers of war, health, and it was important for them to actually get these contracts signed with officials from the Guatemalan government right up front. I mean, that's the reason why, when you look at the fact that, like, what is it, Bristol-Myers Squibb personally is being sued for, like, I believe a billion dollars, yeah. and or, or is it Johns Hopkins University. But we mentioned all of them are being sued for all these crazy large amounts of money, but the actual presidential report was basically like, hey, we're going to find out exactly what went on here and reveal everything. But I mean, when you read that presidential report, it's like, all right, here's the grant number here. We built a fucking hospital down there for you. We built a fucking lab down there for you. It was in these contracts that the Guatemalan government signed and gave us access. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to just go down to Guatemala and just jump all up in the orphanage and the prison and the leper community and do all these things. And one of the things too that mentioned Brittany was with the orphanage, they did abandon the leper community and the orphanage really pretty quickly, not because they were lepers or orphans, but because they weren't healthy adult human subjects to be experimented on. They were too young. They had leprosy and they had all these other ideas, these racist ideas that they truly believed that there were different ways that different races were affected.
2: They believed that different races were had a different rate of infection because their physiologies
0: were different. It shows, like, I guess, the difference of their ethical thinking back then. I mean, they realize that this is fucked up shit that they wouldn't be able to do in the United States. They realize it's wrong. Yeah, that, that's on paper. They think it's justified. The presidential report even says, I like that it, it says this, things are historically contingent. What's ethically normal today in one society isn't necessarily the norms of expectations in a thousand years from now or a hundred years ago. And the presidential report does say it's easy for modern people to feel superior morally than people that lived in the past. There are different expectations that said they understood what they were doing was fucking wrong and that they needed to keep it secret. This
2: reads like a 19th century style. Exp- Guys
0: in white coats are coming and injecting you with venereal diseases. When you don't have any. And the prostitutes that they would get in, like you said, Adam, like it was legal to have prostitutes visit penitentiaries and I think that that was the first thing that kind of drew them. One of the the main things that drew them in in the first place Mm -hmm. and the prostitutes themselves, they would try to get ones that had venereal diseases and they found it very difficult actually to find prostitutes that would be willing to work like in lab conditions and they told them all that they needed to have pelvic exams. So they took the ones that did not have venereal disease and they took cotton swabs and according to the report says they rubbed it with inoculum with like syphilis and gonorrhea pus on it they rubbed it vigorously inside of their cervix so it turns out if you have pus from some STD positive person rub vigorously inside of you, you'll get that shit. But they had to rub it really vigorously actually for them to, to get it. It's crazy. And it's not like they're having, I don't know, sex for a living, right? They're not going to go somewhere else and have sex with a whole bunch of other people like as part of their job. So how many other people outside of their that, were, say, that, that was, weren't uh, among the subjects? I would yeah, say Reverby kind of points that
1: out that like none of the people outside of the study that were impacted by the study are included in any of the statistics. For all these men that they were studying from like the Guatemalan army, none None of their wives and their children are included because if they gave them syphilis and then they went home and like had sex with their wife and they had children and the children might have 35 more
0: clients in the next month. So
1: yeah, none of that is included in any of the statistics of these reports because it wasn't deemed necessary to do so. So, I mean, there's also untold victims that are not included in any of this that that, were also impacted by this study.
0: That would have been an
2: interesting study in the rate of transmission if they did follow up on some of those.
0: But they were super specific in the science scientific reports that they compiled about even the sex, which they kind of abandoned. They called it natural versus unnatural inoculation and the sex being like the natural way that you would actually contract these things. They were so sciencey specific in their reports about like the sex worker that was brought in had sex with like X number of people within like 105 minutes, 11 people in 105 minutes, like just trying to have sex with as many soldiers as they could get her to have sex with. Dr. Cutler literally would examine this soldier. Belger's penises to make sure that they ejaculate would make sure that they look like they just had sex to make sure that there was penetration and it's nuts that this even just to wrap my mind around the real science specific nature of this. Well, let me
2: let me ask you something. Uh, I look back or I look to a few different places. They mentioned these contracts with the government with the prisons and so on and so forth across all the articles. Are there any copies of these contracts? Like, did the Guatemalan government know what they were getting into when they signed these contracts? I were read- any
0: of you guys able to find them? I will read some- To you right now. This is from the report. Construction of a 300 bed general hospital began in Guatemala City in 1944. Construction of a venereal disease research laboratory was begun in 1946. Operational budget was $110,450, which was transferred to the Guatemalan Pan American Sanitation Bureau. This was grant number RG65, signed by Surgeon General Thomas Paran and NIH Director. R.E. Dyer, numerous high ranking Guatemalan officials following the study were brought to the United States and paid salaries as medical fellows and a continuation of the same. Like, even after we left, after we were there for two years, the Guatemalans continued to do the research on their own, would send blood samples back to the United States and hosted a pan-Latin American medical conference. Immediately after all of this research, they hosted it in Panama City and not Panama City, Guatemala City, I meant to say, two years after we began this stuff. So after all of this stuff that they could get with the United States cooperation physically on the ground was done, they hosted this, which gave them prestige in the medical community. And you got to figure like, Some of the stuff that they were bringing to them, too. I mean, just things like as simple as like pots and pans and plates and silverware and shit like this basic stuff that they lacked for their hospitals that we were bringing down. They were such a poor country and they were probably super keen and excited to get not only money but the prestige in the medical community and the help of the Americans who, you know, have top-notch medical stuff but they didn't really know it. kind of like signing a contract with the devil. And
2: but but wouldn't that imply that they they knew that if they were continuing the experiments after course, we
0: left, they 100% knew what was going on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they were totally. Yeah, yeah. I've seen at
1: least in a couple articles I was reading, it seemed to be that some people knew more than others. They were signing it, they were funding it. Obviously, if you were on the ground, you could tell that some shit was going down. But but not necessarily everybody in the government was fully aware of what was going on. Did the
2: government of Guatemala apologize to the Guatemalans? I don't think so. I didn't Alvaro see Calum. that. They
1: called it obviously a, um, an atrocity against humanity, yeah. but I didn't see that. And Obama, they,
0: but they were, were complicit though to their president at the time, and, and he yeah. said it was a huge human rights violation.
3: But we never paid reparations. Like we paid reparations with Tuskegee survivors of Tuskegee Air Operations, but doesn't seem like they're forthcoming right now to them, the victims' fans here.
0: Well, one of the circuit judges actually he ruled he said the United States government regardless of anything may not be sued by any foreign right. entity now or ever for anything so they're kind of recusing was, themselves
1: well that's because so because they threw out the case against the federal government the United States that's when they moved on to trying to sue those private entities
3: you would still have to get the US government to yeah which is why to happen is, mm-hmm.
0: and some of these so contracts far. by mm-hmm. the way that were signed dr Hector Aragon was the director of the national hospital and orphanage there he signed the contract on behalf of the guatemalan government dr Funes, he was the one that actually he becomes a paid employee of the united states but he was the one cutler knew he was on a research grant to the united states and probably they had gotten to know each other prior to this and those two guys talking and cutler saying hey this is some stuff we would love to do and we can't really do it in the united states and he was probably there in and bring it down there and he became a, you becomes, know, obviously, a hunking guy in that situation in
3: Guamala. I mean, I'm not condoning any of it, obviously. It's horrible, especially the young kids like reading that. Terribly depressing and what they did to them. But to do things as scientifically, efficiently as possible is to throw ethics totally aside, right? So on one end, you're like, if you're going to be as scientifically efficient as possible, you just throw ethics away, right? But of course, we want ethics and we want ethical experiments. But in some way, it's always sort of a balance. It's a balance between you want to learn things and you need people in clinical trials and you need test studies, but you don't want to treat them badly, but you want to learn things too. And that it didn't actually happen, but I thought it was really fascinating with COVID. They were considering doing challenge trial where they're going to intentionally expose people voluntarily.
1: I saw that over in the UK. They were...
3: Did they actually follow through?
1: I don't know whether or not. I remember reading that they were thinking about doing that, though, well, like yeah. having people like volunteer to be deliberately infected.
3: Yeah, when you think out the pragmatics of this, it's like only some people are going to expose themselves. So in the vaccines that they did develop, you had 40,000 people in the clinical trials, 20,000 got placebo, 20,000 got the vaccine, and it turned out 90 without the vaccine turned out positive, And then only five in the vaccine group turned out positive. But you have to have so many people in the study because most people aren't going to get exposed to COVID. So you need a massive study. But when you can intentionally expose people, you learn a lot faster, right? So, I mean, that's sort of the idea of the challenge trial is to take young people and just the Goldilocks amount of (laughs) virus to them and vaccinate them and whatever. So, vaccines are different. Like, even with the way HIV was studied, I had a friend who was working on an HIV vaccine, and it was studied in America, and what they would do is they would, if you just give everyone the HIV vaccine, not many people are going to get exposed to HIV. So, what they would do is they would go to sex workers and people who are IV drug users and they'd be like, look, legally, you should use protection and you should use clean needles, but just do what you always do. And they would then test how effective the vaccine was. You know, the HIV vaccine never really worked that well, but it is this weird balance between ethics and trying to learn things scientifically.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely think one of the things that comes up a lot when you're talking about this type of human experimentation is that idea of informed consent. Obviously, if you're going into an orphanage, they're all off the table. Those kids have no idea. They're off. Like the same thing with the asylum. Like There's no idea that they can yeah. consent to that type of It study. is illegal
3: to do any clinical trials or anything with prisoners because they're automatically coerced. Well, yeah. now it's right. illegal right. because there's the yeah, Helsinki of all these agreement different...
0: and there was the Nuremberg codes, but they didn't have that back in these times. Yeah. And you got to look at the fact that we were saying in the beginning it's all about the army. The crazy amount of money that the army was spending at the time. They estimated and I had to wrap my mind around this. It had never crossed my mind to think in these terms, but the army was seeing something like one third of a million infections for STD annually when they were fighting the war and it was costing them something like in modern equivalent almost a half a billion dollars a year to wrap my mind around the fact that STDs costed that kind of money and it was like all about cutting costs. And it was
1: also the men being taken out of service to be treated. You could be losing significant men as far as the army was when you're looking at it from the army's perspective. Not only the cost of the treatment but the fact that the men being treated could not
3: be fighting and sometimes fatal, right? I guess rarely and kind of a slow death. Yeah,
1: but. I mean the Guatemalan study, Al Capone, died of
0: not being treated <laughs> from syphilis. Even mm-hmm. he though he chose not to be at the time, they had salverson six oh six had been around for a couple of decades. That was the very first thing that would actually cure any kind of venereal disease, but it was very fucking dangerous. It was it was salverson laboratory's six hundred and sixth attempt at modifying arsenic to give to people, and <laughs> so you're in, taking in arsenic. And a lot of times it would kill your liver. Sometimes the treatment actually killed you. That's why Al Capone was like, no, I don't think I'm going to take that. (laughs) And then he went mad because 10% of people that do not get treated for syphilis, it will drive you crazy. You'll get dementia paralysia from it it'll drive you fucking nuts and one of the things that they were doing with the guatemala experiments was to try to fast track that because usually to go crazy from it to get it in your mind and go a little crazy from it it takes decades of not being treated and they were trying to fast track that so they would take the syphilis spirochete and inject it into people's spinal columns and into the base of their skull to try to get it into their brain like Quick and instantly, which didn't seem to work. And then they tried. It was all wacky to shock people out of their epilepsy by injecting them with syphilis biroche, which doesn't seem. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but it just. I don't know. Seems s- counterintuitive. Seems counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: So I think technically, like according to the report, 83 people died. But again, that doesn't take into any accounts of people outside. Yeah, of immediately. Study. Yeah, the
0: immediate deaths. And the, and the report yeah, says so that like
1: directly 83. but The life
0: expectancy of most of them was reduced like 20 percent from. Taking part in the study Not that they wanted to Or were informed Explained what was going on
3: And then you could put on the table What they actually learned I'm just, you know Being an ethics professor The way I think think it through Is the most basic ethical theory And the one I ascribe to we're We're not talking religion or culture Like an objective moral theory Is called utilitarianism And in utilitarianism You weigh how much good did this cause And how much bad did it cause Now there could be It gets much more complicated from there But it's the basic idea Of every step you take You want to take a step Toward a better world and if I want to make this too deep for where you guys want to go but you know like if you could drop a bomb on Wuhan you know right when you knew what was about to happen and kill 5,000 people but you stop a pandemic it gets complicated quick but utilitarianism often gets a bad rap because you start thinking like okay you're willing to do really bad things if it's for the right effect which is true and it's just you know a basic dilemma would be like eight people are going to die unless you stab to death I mean stabbing someone to death to become the really right thing
0: like if you could go back in time and kill baby. Hitler. Yeah. Sure. Or yeah, that's the, the, a baby. The, there's a ripple effect to that. I yeah, mean, there is.
2: Which kind of goes on to what you were saying. I'm treading lightly with this. The idea of this Guatemala syphilis experiment over the past, I mean, generally, it was, it was mostly 45 to 47. Yeah,
1: 1946 to 1948, yeah. officially. And but some of the studies con- continued on to 1953 with some serology studies and stuff like that. So, 1946. The 19, results
2: rough. were, A, never published until 2000. Even later than that it wasn't discovered yeah. till
1: 2005 they yeah. never published or 2005 i'm sorry yeah. i mean and, there's
0: ethical and reasons there was no for that if you, if you really want to look at the mindset of the time it involves a lot of the way scientists thought if you take politics out of it the german scientists and doctors and the american scientists and doctors eugenicists of the time and they were looking at that mm. shit as like mm-hmm. a, the real fucking deal thought exactly the same about it. They couldn't work together because of the politics of their two respective countries didn't align. Well,
2: that sharing of information came after the world opened up again following
0: the World War. But they would be very keen on reading one another's research. Like, if you're in Germany and then the Americans publish something, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, yeah. They published this shit and they were really super keen. They were doing a lot of the same things and thought a lot of the same ways. Mm -hmm. And so to these guys that are doing these Guatemala experiments, the Dr. Funes and to Cutler and even to Parent, I guess to some degree too. They were of that mindset that then after the Nuremberg trials, that shit is very openly discussed. You have twenty three German doctors, you have the doctors' trials at Nuremberg, and the doctors actually at the Nuremberg trials were like, "Well, you motherfuckers that are putting us on trial." You just did like X, Y, and Z. We know everything that you did because we were fucking reading it all because we were like scientific buddies in on the mind. I mean, they both had their secret shit going on. We did. They did. But like the shit that was published, they were totally just of the same mind. And they were like, you motherfuckers at University of Chicago just fucking did malaria. Tests and you didn't ask for permission you just injected all these motherfuckers with malaria you just you just literally did that and you're putting us on trial for doing the same sort of thing now the Nazis did some fucked up crazy shit but the above board shit the average say German doctor was doing wasn't any different than the this guatemala kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that we're talking about here so the ethics of the time was one thing then the war changed the consciousness of the scientific and ethical communities very very quickly so i think that like being in gear like objects in motion stay in motion they were in gear do these studies were doing them and then it starts to become apparent that like the consciousness of the world had been changing this is one of the things that the presidential report does it doesn't say any of this but they do it, and then they realize, bah, we can't publish this shit. wasn't because they thought it was unethical. They thought it was the good right, like Tim, like you're saying, it will change the world in a better way, thing to do. They were mostly concerned, like these correspondents that we can read that were in Cutler's boxes at Pitt. They say they're more worried about a quote-unquote goodie organization getting a hold mm-hmm. of this information and it being bad PR for themselves.
3: Yeah. I mean, eugenics starts in America, right? So, yeah. it, and then it moves to yeah. Germany and we kept doing it after the war, right? Yeah, I was like, going to say, I mean, yeah. just kind of like what you hinted. I mean, I know when Tuskegee were, ends,
1: things were changing. But I mean, you had to see went all the way up to 1972. right? right, right. And that's had, when
0: American eugenic society disappears. Yeah,
1: right. You had the Sing Sing experiments that started in 1954. I mean, you had the Holmesburg experiments. That was 1951 to 1974. So just because there are changing attitudes in the immediate aftermath of World War II did not halt most of no. these types of human experimentation till much it, it later. didn't
2: translate to actual legislature
0: no, no not at all and the germans wouldn't have even known this but we were doing world war ii we were like nasal inhalers we were giving that to people in asylums with influenza we were like here's a nasal thing just to test that on vulnerable
3: yeah there's a lot of involuntary sterilization too there were a lot of women who yes social mm-hmm. workers would see mm-hmm. them and then they would be like oh they're feeble-minded and they have bad hygiene if that's a genetic characteristic that's the thing about germany too there's, there's science being done and there's a lot of pseudoscience and there's a lot of ath- unethical stuff so it's all a mixed bag of that kind of stuff well, and
2: we got caught doing the, the sterilization still to this day yes. not, not even mm-hmm. 365 days ago at this point yeah well, legislation
3: didn't really do all that much sometimes women were sort of talked into it but sometimes it was like totally without their knowledge they're just like oh you know we have a free obgyn clinic you can go to we're putting you under for some test to make sure you don't have cancer and then just go in and sterilize them and there are these mm-hmm. women who their whole life they could, couldn't understand why they couldn't get pregnant and they they actually did get money. Like there was one in the state of North Carolina, this woman who couldn't get pregnant with this husband that she loved. She initially went to a social worker because her first husband was like beating her and it was terrible. She gets married a second time and she can't get pregnant. And the state of North Carolina actually acknowledged this and gave her forty thousand dollars. Like wow, wow forty thousand yeah. dollars, stealing your ability to, to have take kids. your family away from you. Yeah, your crazy. family was
0: worth forty thousand dollars. it. That you wouldn't then have. They said but there that's was a how they got the Tuskegee people. Is this is how they got them with. the the offer of free healthcare. There were like 399 African American men in Macon County, Alabama which is the exact location that Dr. John Charles Cutler that we're talking about here with the Guatemala stuff, he's the one that identified that area to begin those experiments in. Yeah. but those 399 guys they had already had the syphilis but they were told and by Tuskegee a historically black university they feel safe. They're going to go to a medical clinic at a black university. They're told they're selected. It's your lucky day. You want to Water, you got free healthcare, then they're monitored in that way with the offer of, we're going to do something for you to help you. And then we get meals. Yeah,
1: things. they were enticed to enroll in the study with incentives, including medical exams, rides to and from the clinics, meals on examination days, free treatment for minor ailments, and guarantees that provisions would be made after their deaths in terms of burial stipends paid to their survivors. So if you had syphilis, I mean, or if you were sick, because you might not have known that you had syphilis per se, but that would be a pretty significant incentive package to so- Sounds role in this study
0: like your lucky day
1: yeah, especially since they never even told them the name of the study. They did not tell them that the official name was the study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male. That was included.
2: They're both bad and horrific, but considering they still have the same desired outcome, <laughs> the same aims, what was opinion-based theoretically worse? The Tuskegee experiments Ugh. with the happening Guatemala.
0: Like you said, they're both fucking horrific. They actively, once penicillin becomes widely available, they actively discourage those people in Tuskegee from actually getting the treatment and interfere. They go to clinics where they're being treated for like a broken arm or something else and they might possibly get penicillin and they go to those doctors and they say like hey these guys are part of a study you can't give them penicillin. So I mean people die uh, I don't,
1: 128 are on the
0: rec of are, dying from the Tuskegee expires. They're giving it to their wives. They're having kids that are born with it. It's fucked up. It's crazy fucked up shit. They did have it to begin with where the people in Guatemala did not have it to begin with. They're being injected with that stuff and against their will they tied those people down when they objected at least in the mental institution the Asilo D.L.A. in is where they were at but they were being tied down some of them ran away there was one Kelso there's some subject profiles that they have he ran away they couldn't find him for hours I don't know where he hid. I mean, I guess it was a pretty decent size mental facility. He hid. They couldn't find him. They were abrading their penises basically by taking sewing needles or hypodermic needles and stabbing them or slicing them with lancets and blades up to 30 times. Like, somebody stabbing your genitals with a hypodermic needle 30 times. I mean, that's I would run the fuck away, you know? I I mean, (laughs) imagine if Cutler were in a chair and we're fucking stabbing him, like, 30 times, rubbing pus in his eyes. This is probably a good place to introduce this subject profile from the presidential report of Berta. I'll read directly from the report. Berta was a female patient in the psychiatric hospital. Her age and illness that brought her to the hospital are unknown. In February 1948, Berta was injected in her left arm with syphilis. A month later, she developed scabies. Several weeks later, Dr. Cutler noted that she also developed red bumps where the injection in her arm was and lesions on her legs, her arms, and on her skin and body. Bertha was not treated for syphilis until three months after the injection. Soon after, on August 23rd, Dr. Cutler wrote that Bertha appeared that she would die, but didn't specifically specify why. That same day, he put gonorrheal pus from another male subject into both of Bertha's eyes, as well as in her urethra and rectum. He also reinfected her with syphilis. Several days later, Bertha's eyes were filled with pus from the gonorrhea, and she was bleeding from her urethra. On August 27th, Bertha died. And there's others like this. He sees clearly she's going to die. Let's just fuck with her a little bit more. Right. We can get a little bit more information. I mean,
2: that's like Mengele, Nazi grade. It's
0: mad science. Yeah. Shit is what it fucking smacks up. It sounds like a fucking horror movie. serious stuff today for your ethical consideration and just so that you know we are joe woji and Brittany smith world and american history professors respectively with today ethics professor tim collins as well as ted cisco adam maezzi consider supporting this podcast on patreon.com backslash grim to help us keep bringing more content to you Join us next week in part two as we detail for you some really heartbreaking experiments that my government has done. It's a dark, serious episode, and we hope you'll join us.